0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome, all of you dynasty freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I am a dynasty freak. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store for episode number 73. Well, it's finally come to the end of the season, right? And so now it's the off season, which is one of the more fun parts of managing our Dynasty teams. And so stay engaged with the podcast, stay engaged in your leagues, and hope to give you guys some great advice during this off season period. And one of the things that I think is really important to do um, is to do a personal assessment of your own teams as, and even of yourself as a general manager. And so for the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at several podcasts that just kind of are, do a little bit of an assessment, give you a chance to look back um, at yourself and at your teams and see where you can improve. And one of the best ways to do that is actually go back and revisit your rookie rankings that you had before last year's rookie draft and see if what you would do if you were to re-rank those players today. And so if you're willing to do it, it can be quite humbling to do so, but if you're willing, you can learn a lot from the past and you can become a better better evaluator of talent and opportunity, which is also important in fantasy football, right? Opportunity. So this week I took a look back at my uh, top, my rankings from last year before the rookie draft, and today I'm going to list what I would list as the top 12 rookies and compare them to where I had them ranked before our rookie draft. So Here we go again. That's what we're doing. We're going to try to rank the top 12 rookies from this past season, um, where we would have them ranked if we were to redraft the rookie class today. So I'm going to run through my 12. I'll mention where I had them uh, previously, so where I had them last May before the rookie drafts and where I would draft them if we started all over and did a rookie draft again. You'll see that I hit on some uh, pretty good and missed on some, and you'll see that there's some, at least based on my rankings, that everybody missed on. So we'll start with number one. Uh, Number one, I would have A.J. Brown. Uh, Previously, I had him ranked number four, so not a big jump there. But if we're starting today, I'd rank him number one as as my rookies. Uh, Previously, I had him number four. So I consistently had A.J. Brown as my number one uh, rookie wide receiver even before the NFL draft. But his landing spot in Tennessee really concerned me (laughs) because of their run-first philosophy and poor quarterback play from Mariota. And uh, I just... I didn't let myself go of it, though. I believed in his talent, so I kept him as my number one um, rookie wide receiver last year. Uh, Now I look pretty good for having done so. The way he ended the season with Tannehill at quarterback instead of Mariota uh, proved that he was who I thought that he could be. While I had the top three running backs ranked ahead of him, which you'll see here in a minute, um, I did have those running backs ranked ahead of him. I still had him as the number one receiver. But if I was to redraft today, I would move A.J. Brown ahead of these running backs. A.J. Brown, number one. My number two guy, if I was to redraft today, would be Josh Jacobs. Previously, he was number one. So just to fall back of one spot, A.J. Brown jumped in. I'd still have Josh Jacobs as my number one running back and my number two overall, if I was to redraft today, this rookie class. I was lower on Jacobs than most analysts leading up to the NFL draft, but after Oakland drafted him in the first round, I moved him up to the number one spot in my rookie rankings, based largely on his draft capital and the opportunity to be the starting running back from day one in Oakland, where they just didn't have any candidates to beat him out. Jacobs was drafted number one in all but one of my rookie drafts, um, so this was not a particularly sharp ranking on my part. He was the consensus number one rookie player last year, so draft capital opportunity made the difference and uh, does make a difference in ranking rookies, and it did here. Jacobs did average 15 points per game this year uh, before getting injured near the end of the season. It did make him a top 12 running back in average points per game. I think he's just going to be great for years to come, so if we were to redraft, I would have him number two. Number three, I would have Miles Sanders, who I previously had ranked number two. Uh, I was right to have Sanders ranked number two going into rookie drafts last year. I ranked him higher than most any analyst uh, that I know. Um was able to draft him in several teams as late as a sixth and the eighth round pick in the draft. I had him ranked ahead of Josh Jacobs leading up to the, uh, leading up to the NFL draft until Oakland drafted Jacobs, like I just described. Uh, so I believed in his talent more than Jacobs. I still consider him to be more talented, but he is on a team that likes to use multiple running backs, so I have him ranked just behind Jacobs here if I was to redraft today. Um, he showed that he was a playmaker those last few games of the season, right? Uh, when Jordan Howard was finally injured, he carried fantasy teams in the playoffs, and he could have done even more if Philadelphia's coaching staff was not insistent on using Boston Scott so much like they did. So frustrating. Uh, but that's just what they do in Philadelphia, so that comes comes with a price of Sanders' Um, that said, I think the way that Sanders ended the season means that he's firmly established as a leading running back in Philadelphia for years to come, even though they will split time with other guys. Fourth, if I was to redraft today the rookie class, number four would be DK Metcalf, who I previously had ranked. Last May I had him ranked number 10, so he's moved up to number four from number 10. So I'll admit being a bit wrong here about DK Metcalf. I was not sure that he could be more than a deep threat in the red zone target. Um and offense actually prioritizes the run, but he really turned out to be much more. I mean, this was the debate, you know, about Metcalf. Everyone landed different spots. He was supposed to be the guy that only knew how to run, you know, two routes and was just a physical beast but not a well-defined uh, wide receiver. That was the debate going into it, and I think I fell a little bit prey to that debate and thought less highly of him than I should have. I still had him as a first-round pick um, going number 10, so it's not like I was that low on him, but because I had him ranked number 10, uh, I never got DK Metcalf in any of my drafts because he was drafted consistently earlier in the first round. So um, I learned a lot this year. I think that I need to actually trust draft capital a little bit more, and I really need to trust, sometimes you've heard me say this before, I trust coaches and general managers, and Pete Carroll's one of the ones that's really worthy of trust. Uh, He's very good at evaluating talent, and so I should have known that Carroll had plans for Metcalf, and he had a really good rookie year. Next, uh, number five, if I was to re-rank the rookie class, number five now would be Terry McLaurin. He was previously ranked 28 in my rankings in May, so here we see the biggest jump so far in the rankings, but it's not really because I was totally wrong. Because I was higher on McLaren than most all other analysts, and, uh, and definitely higher on him than anyone in my, the leagues that I drafted in, because I drafted him a lot. So I had him ranked as a third round, early third round at number 28. He would have been an early third round pick, and that's why I was able to get him in the third round in a lot of my, a lot of my uh, teams because I had him ranked there. I was able to draft him in several teams, like I said, and he was uh, awesome. He was a starter and a star from his first NFL game, like scoring touchdown 125 yards in his first game. It's like, whoa, this guy isn't wasting any time. He did have a bit of a lull in the middle of the season when Washington made the switch to Dwayne Haskins, and I really wondered how that was going to work out. But by the end of the season, uh, he and Haskins were starting to find a connection, and he was playing like he did at the start of the season. Uh, I think that if we were drafting again today, he would certainly be drafted in the first round of rookie drafts if we started them today. I'm thankful to have him on several teams, and I have him ranked as high as number five if we were to redraft. Six would be uh, Kyler Murray. I had him uh, previously ranked number 12. So I'll admit to being a little skeptical about Kyler Murray in the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Like that caused me um, to be a bit of a skeptic, wondering if he could really do his college-style play in – in the NFL, in addition, I was, I, was, I was worried about Kyler's size. Just to have a quarterback come in with such a small stature, I just didn't know if he would just get crushed. Um, but his size and the offensive experiment in Arizona did cause me to rank him lower than most analysts. I, I think that I was actually wrong to do so. He didn't miss any games with injuries even though he ran the ball 93 times for 544 yards and he finished the season as a number seven ranked quarterback. So I moved him up to my number six ranked dynasty quarterback already. And so I should have had him ranked right around number six in rookie drafts. If I was to do it again, he definitely would be a middle of the first round guy. And so where I missed there was just not uh, just being skeptical of this new offense and skeptical of his size. And so maybe this is a new era in the NFL and I need to be more open um, to guys being – Drafted early, even though they're small and even though they're with the new kind of offense. Number seven, I have uh, Debo Samuel. Previously, he was ranked number six for me, so he didn't really move. I got this one right. Uh, he was my number three ranked uh, rookie wide receiver before the draft. I just like his skills, and I felt like he could play uh, better than McLaurin and Metcalf, but I would rank him behind those players if we drafted today, so what I'm saying is I like Debo's talent more than McLaurin and Metcalfs even, Um, but I rank him behind those players today for for one simple reason, Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) He's too sporadic in how he calls games, so sometimes he'd feature Debo and give him five to eight touches. Other games, he would only get two to four touches. Shanahan drafted Debo uh, way before um, other scouts said that he should be drafted, so I uh, told me right away, like Shanahan has in mind a very specific way that he wants to use him, um, and he could have used those skills that way. Uh, he has actually done that well, but the thing with that is it just varies too much game to game. I still love uh, that I was able to get Debo in several leagues because of how high I had him ranked, and I regret giving him up in a trade that I made and an unsuccessful what ended up being an unsuccessful attempt to make the Super Bowl make a Super Bowl run in a league. Um, So I was pretty much spot on with Debo and rank him about the same as I did uh, last May. Eighth is a surprise. I have Devin Singletary. He was previously ranked number 29. Uh, Here's another guy that I think I got wrong. I had eight rookie running backs ranked ahead of Singletary before uh, rookie drafts. So I had eight running backs ranked ahead of him. And now I'm basically saying that he's third, that he's just behind Jacobs and Sanders uh, if I was to redraft today. Uh, He never broke out to the degree that Jacobs or Sanders did, uh, but he did do enough to show that he can be a lead back for years to come in Buffalo. Uh, He scored 11.4 points per game, so that left him just outside the top 24 running backs for the year, if if you're just going by average points per game. Um, I think where I made a mistake with him is while he compiled the ridiculous stats in college, it was with Florida Atlantic and against weaker competition, and I think I held that against him too much, and I should have let his college production – speak for itself rather than trying to evaluate his competition and so I think going forward I'm going to look at production a little bit more heavily than I do the competition that people that uh, these players play against. Going to number nine now. Number nine I would rank today T.J. Hawkinson. He was previously ranked number seven so not a lot of movement here. Uh, Simply put here here's one more I'm just choosing to hold onto what I believed when the season starts. Um, Tight ends take longer to develop than other positions. We know that. And Hawkinson battled injuries all season. And he had backup quarterbacks throwing in passes for half the season. And so all these strikes against him. Um, I'm just looking at game number one. <laughs> His only breakout game was week number one when Ms. Stafford was throwing in the ball and he looked like he was going to be a superstar from the, from the jump, like right away. But... I think that uh, there's no reason to doubt what we saw in game one. can be how he continues to play. It'll take him some time to get there. Getting Matt Stafford back there will actually help him a lot. And so I'm pretty much giving a hold here on Hawkinson. Still a first-round value, though I did move him from number seven, where I had him in May, to where now I'd have a number nine. Right behind him is another tight end, so tight end, uh, no offense, at number 10. If I was doing a draft again today, he would be my 10th player on my board. Previously, I had him ranked number fourteen. So I had Hawkinson 7 and Fant 14 uh, last May. I had a bigger gap between Hawkinson and Fant in the rookie drafts than I do today. That's just just the truth. Like, now I've got them back-to-back. I just felt like Fant was not as complete of a tight end as Hawkinson and that he would not be on the field as much on running downs. I also didn't like the quarterback situation in Denver with Flacco and the rookie Drew Locke. And so I ended up being right about Flacco, no good. (laughs) But by the end of the season, I ended up being wrong about Drew Locke. I think you'll hear more about him next week when I do my round two rookies. If I was to redraft round two, Drew Locke's going to be in that, I'll tell you. Uh, Fanton did not get the kind of volume that I'd like to see in year one. He only had 40 receptions, but he did have two tight end one weeks, like breakout weeks where he was a tight end one, would have been you know top 12 tight end on that week. And I think when you're a rookie, if you can show that, like Hawkinson did in one game, like Fant did in two games, I think it's safe to assume that they have the capacity to continue uh, to do that. Hopefully, Drew Locke is going to continue to improve and Fant will be a great part of this offense going forward. Um, I would assume that he, he will. Last two here, number 11, if I was to re-rank rookies today, Daniel Jones would be my number 11. Um, previously, he was number 51, so this is a huge jump. Uh, I'll just say I was wrong on Daniel Jones, but I would say possibly then again almost, almost everyone else was as well. Uh, with all of his fumbles and interceptions this year, Jones still finished as a uh, this year as the number 13 quarterback in average points per game. Um, he should only get better in that arena of those turnovers, and if he just sharpens that up, he would have been certainly a top 12 in average yards per game already in his rookie season. Uh, what I really like about his situation, why I would break him now in the first round, is I really like the weapons around him. You've got Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and now Darius Slayton, and of course, Barkley. So I thought the Giants gambled at drafting Jones with the number six pick in the draft and that he'd ultimately be a bust, but I was wrong. I try to look at, like, what can I learn from this? I want to say the lesson I learned is to put more stock in draft capital with quarterbacks, but we've seen first-round quarterbacks bust, too, uh, almost as often as they hit. So I'm not sure what I've learned here except to say that that I was wrong. I just got it wrong. I don't think there's something in particular that I can learn here. Um, Jones would be drafted in the first round if I was to redraft today. And then his teammate makes the most surprising jump into the number 12 spot. If I was to redrank rookies today, that would be Darius Slayton. Previously, I had him ranked number 62. <laughs> so he moved up a sharp 50 spots from 62 to number 12. Here's definitely the biggest surprise on my list Darius Slayton was not drafted in most of my leagues. Uh, let alone held through the last rounds of cuts before the season started. So he was either not drafted or he was one of those guys that got cut when you're kind of cutting down the rosters right before the season starts. Uh, But he landed on most teams in my my leagues via the waiver wire this year, and now I draft him as a first-round draft pick. That's pretty crazy. He scored the fifth most points among rookie wide receivers this year, just behind the other four receivers that I have listed in this top 12 already. Um, I am a little concerned that his breakout came in the middle of the season when Shepard was injured. Uh, When Shepard and Tate were healthy, Slayton's snap counts did go down pretty steadily. That said, I think that Tate is kind of past his prime, and Slayton, I believe, can actually replace him next year. And on top of that, Slayton has a skill set that none of those other receivers have in New York. Uh, He's their deep threat and the best red zone target. And so as long as he holds on to those traits, I think he's going to continue to be valuable, even though there's a lot of people to throw the ball to there in New York. He's got a fellow rookie quarterback in Jones that I just talked about. So they have many years to play together and build chemistry. Um, I just missed on Slayton. But on this one, I just have to say so did everyone else. Those who added him to their team's midseason off the waiver wire could have added, well, I'm saying that they did add a 2019 first-round draft pick, rookie draft pick in my opinion. Pretty crazy rise for Darius Slayton. So there we have it. There several hits and misses in the draft class, and there were some that simply held their value steady throughout the season. It's like that most years, right? It's good to take an honest look at the rookie class and try to learn from your successes and failures at evaluating players' talents and their opportunities and to realize that sometimes, you know what, sometimes everyone just gets it wrong on players like Slayton and perhaps players like Jones. But good process. I would th- encourage you guys to do the same. That's one thing that you can do now. Go back and look at how you ranked your rookies and see where you would rank, rank them now do that exercise. I think it's good uh, for your evaluation of talent and for your growth as a dynasty owner. I appreciate you giving a listen. Uh, You know what to do until next time. You need to go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.